Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Oldham Business Podcast. My name is David Bazanis. I had a great episode today. I had a conversation with Mike Prather and Alan Lane from Mainly Creative. They're a small business in our beautiful downtown LaGrange, located at Main Street in Walnut. Alan and Mike and I talk about what it's like to be creative and be an entrepreneur, how the attributes of both kind of overlap and intersect and also sometimes can work against you. Pretty great conversation. I think you'll like it. Also, stick around after my conversation with Alan and Mike. I sit down with Heidi Ockletree from our office who talks about her experience shopping locally over the holidays. So it's a fun conversation. Glad you could join us. Sit back and relax. And let's start the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Oldham Business Podcast. It's been a while since I've posted some of these. We're going to try to get uh, a lot better at making sure these stick to a schedule. I want to thank our sponsor, Transitional Technologies, and Richard Hollander. He is our IT guy here at the Chamber and has been for many years. Uh, he keeps us safe. He keeps us secure. We, uh, we are enjoying some cybersecurity through Richard, which has been an actually, he's, he's great at helping educate me uh, as we are responsible for uh, a lot of things here at the Chamber. And so I think he's a great choice. A lot of our businesses here in Oldham County use transitional technologies. If you are in the market for cybersecurity or IT services, Richard's great to work with. So just reach out to Richard Hollander at Transi Transitional Technologies. Okay, I've got a lot of announcements. We are ramping up. 2022 is a COVID-free calendar for us. And, um, you know, we tried to do that in 21, and we did bring back a lot of events, but there were some of our members that were restricted by their employers to attend certain types of functions. Uh, there were certain sponsors who, uh, you know, weren't able to be associated. And so it, it, it did affect our programming. And so we also wanted to make sure that we were being responsible. And quite frankly, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to navigate some of the information that's been out there. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. So we wanted to make sure we were responsible and we wanted to make sure we were present for our for our members, but we are excited. We've gotten back to our programming. We just finished last uh, week the Oldham County End of the Year dinner, and it was fantastic. Uh, thanks, First National Bank, for being our Oldham County of the Year uh, sponsor. And um, fantastic night, Ann Brown, the Oldham County of the Year. We also introduced a new awards for the young professional in Oldham County, and really had a great response to that. Um, great turnout. Also gave the Basham Development Award to East and Westbrook Construction for uh, their significant growth that they've had uh, with their headquarters in Buckner. So what a fantastic night. We've got uh, a lot of events coming up. Thursday, March 3rd, you can come to SNA Insurance in Crestwood for quick connections. It's kind of like a speed dating uh, new type of program we have. That's from 11 to 12. It's fun, um, and it's, uh, it's a great way to get to know new people and, and do a quick pitch. Um, Tuesday, March 8th, Maximize Your Membership. That's our chamber orientation. Thanks to our sponsor, uh, Ruth Kilchman from Keller Williams uh, Real Estate. She's been our sponsor for that uh, orientation for many years. Um, that's here at the chamber offices at 8.30 a.m. Friday, March 11th at Ernesto's in downtown LaGrange. We're having our out to lunch. This is formerly known as our power hour. Um, thanks to Paducah Bank, our sponsor for out to lunch. But uh, you can meet us at lunchtime on March 11th at Ernesto's. And finally, uh, our large luncheon, uh, Celebration of Women, is back thanks to PNC Bank. We're going to be at City Place on March 24th. Our guest speaker 
is Molly Ricketts with Incipio Workforce Solutions. Um, and our next podcast, so this, this episode that we're rolling out today, I'm sorry, we're dropping this episode today. We're dropping this episode with Alan Lane and Mike Prather. And uh, our next episode that's already in the can uh, and will roll out prior to Celebration Women is a conversation I have with Molly Ricketts. Uh, she's fantastic. So get your tickets. If you haven't gotten your tickets, go to OldhamCountyChamber.com, all spelled out. We have an events calendar where you can uh, log in and, and get your tickets and, and register for our events. Some of these events are free. Some of them are ticketed. Um, and we're, we're really grateful to all of our sponsors and uh, our members. So with that, this is the conversation that I had with Alan Lane and Mike Prather. And following this, stick around for our conversation uh, that Heidi Ockeltree and I had about shopping local. All right, I'm sitting here with Alan Lane and Mike Prather. Uh, from Mainly Creative, our new business on Main Street in LaGrange, downtown LaGrange. Um, welcome to the Oldham Business Podcast, fellas. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having us. Um, well, let's start off first. I want, I've want i got a lot of things I want to talk about. Um, and we just had a, a brief conversation about some of the things we want to cover. You know, our goal is to kind of showcase business in Oldham County, special people in Oldham County. And one of the things I think is great about your business and your both both of your backgrounds is you're both very um, creative musicians uh, and artists in uh, in your own right and probably a lot of things I don't know that people don't know so I'm looking forward to learning about that but myself having grown up in a uh, music store um, a small shop that that's still there it's the oldest music store in Louisville Bazanis Music still going on so I'm third generation I learned a lot uh, working there and it was something I got a lot out of and the impact that it's made on a lot of the people in the Louisville community is something that when my father passed in 2017, um, Joe Girth had done a, a story on his life and legacy. And it was very uh, exciting to meet with all the students who came in from the past who we had forgotten about, who they had raised their families there, and now they were coming in with grandkids and whatnot and saw the impact that it made on on them and on the community, but also it was a place where we had to do business. We had to sell instruments and we had to sell lessons. And so I was one to kind of talk. There's a lot of independent business in Oldham County where you've got, you know, uh, I think about uh, Q&A Sweet Treats here in LaGrange. You know, Andrea is a baker. Well, if you've ever tried really baking, uh, that is certainly a craft. And so you are masters of crafts and your business is uh, craft related in the, in the types of things that you sell. So uh, Mike, why don't you start off? I want to get into your backgrounds on it, but first, tell tell me about Mainly Creative. Tell me mm-hmm. about your business and the things you've done. Your art's all over Oldham <laughs> County. Um, so, so tell us a little about yourself and, and yeah. kind of set us up with what you're doing. Well, the business is called Mainly Creative, and we really got to that name because of of what we were putting into uh, our business, and uh, where I'm a I'm a graphic designer by trade, so. I really have to be creative every day, logo design, brochures, and websites. But, uh, you know, we when Alan and I started playing music together, um, you know, we learned that Alan is very cra- uh, gifted in, in, in building wood furniture and uh, anything out of wood products. Um, so we really just kind of looked at each other and, and we're just a really great creative resource uh, for anything art-related, uh, painting-related, uh, graphic design related, you know, you talked about some of the work we've done here in LaGrange with the mural, uh, you know, um, it's just, uh, we like to be a resource when somebody's like, well, we re- really need something cool to happen here. 
uh, we want to be that that uh, place that you can come. Right. Well, so tell me about your various disciplines. So, I mean, you're, you mm-hmm. work in a lot of mediums. So, and I for, mm-hmm. we were talking earlier, I'd forgotten, one of the main things you do is graphic design, yeah. right. which is great. Right. Which, you know, that's got a different creative approach, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have an objective to accomplish. Right, uh, it's more of a marketing uh, uh, mindset when you're doing graphic design. Well, I was trained professionally as an artist, but in the, in the mid-'80s uh, as an artist, uh, the computers came, uh, and we all learned how to be artists on these computers, which made us become graphic designers. <laughs> right. Um, so um, I worked as a graphic designer for a long time in the Louisville area, some ad agencies and some different different jobs. Um, one of my jobs was at the Louisville Zoo. Uh, I did graphic design there, but really got back to my painting roots, where I was painting backdrops and murals and things like that at the zoo. Um, from there, I took a, uh, a couple other jobs. Did you do the mural on Grinstead on the way to the zoo there on that no, corner? No, but, okay. um, and most of the murals I did, uh, if you go in the Herp Aquarium, a lot of the backdrops oh, in yeah. the Herp Aquarium where if you see a snake in a tank, that thing, that wall behind him is pretty much, I probably painted that. <laughs> they take so, the snake out first, right? Yes, okay. definitely. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of things like that, and, and that was a long time ago, and a lot of them have, uh, have, you know, been changed and phased out. Um, but I never lost my roots to being an artist, uh, a painter, or a charcoal or a drawer. Um, Would you say that, you, where's your favorite? What, I mean, what's... what's Probably your... charcoal drawing is my best medium. Okay. I, I right. think uh, if you've uh, seen any of my horse drawings, um, uh, they're, uh, the charcoal's my best. The oil obviously lets me introduce color uh, right. as much as I want to do. Uh, but the charcoal, I think I have a, a better grasp on. Um, but leading up to getting to Mainly Creative was, um, I just never really lost my desire to paint and draw. Still did the graphic design. Um, still do a lot of other things, play music with Alan. You know, there's such a lot of creative outlets we have. Um, now you guys were actually performing music when you came up with the idea to go into business together, right? Right, mm-hmm. yeah. right. We really didn't um, think about putting our two heads together business-wise. We were just kind of creating some cool music. We sounded good, and, and it was fun. Yeah, and, you know, it's totally been a – I've only been doing the whole woodworking thing for maybe 18 months. It came out of necessity right when COVID got bad. I wanted a piece of art to go in my house. My wife and I decided we wanted this huge wooden Kentucky in this loft area in our house, and – uh we priced it and all that, and, you know, and I was kind of like, finally one day I'm like, hey, let's just try to do it ourselves, you know, and um, from the years of playing music, I have a pretty extensive social media following, and, and I'd made something else and put it online, and then somebody was like, oh, I want that, so then yeah. started taking orders, and then uh, next thing you know, people are like, well, can you make this, and I'm like, I don't know, I'll try, but I went to YouTube University and uh, right. started watching uh, a guy named Matt Outlaw, and a lady named uh, Anna White, and they both are content creators and educators of, you know, dumbing it down basically to, I didn't even have a jigsaw when I started it. You know, I borrowed really? a jigsaw from a friend. Well, now, I was going to ask, did you do woodworking like in some past No, I never. Or? I grew up on a farm and we like did fencing and, <laughs> you know, fixed the barns and stuff like that, but we never made things, you know what right. I mean? Like took time to like make 
a project or make a piece of furniture or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. And then, uh, I've always liked, liked the arts before I became a nurse. I was a massage therapist for 15 years. Okay. And then when I started the music thing, um, and a big thing about it with social media is promotions. Well, I got a, like a small graphic design system for my computer and started, like I created my own logo, create all my flyers and did all of my own right. marketing for the band for all these years, you know? So did um, you have creative inclinations outside of music prior to that? No, not really. I honestly, I, I grew up on a farm and played football yeah. and that was kind of like, if I was, you know, going to do anything, it was going to be like horse related, farm related. And then I don't know, I kind of got in, went to this person was like, we heard about this massage therapy school. So I, that's a path I went on for a while. And, and then uh, one day I just woke up and I wanted to be a nurse and said, hey, I'm going to change gears. And all the while I was playing music. Sure. Uh, and I met Mike f- about 14 years ago through another graphic designer uh, that was a client of mine. And I'd kept a guitar in my room, in the mus- massage therapy room. When I wasn't doing anything, I'd pick up the guitar and practice or whatever. Sure. And, and this guy came in one day and saw the guitar and started playing it. And he was like, man, we jam a lot. You should come jam. And, and then he saw the, you know, that I had, he's like, man, you have a great voice. Cause we played mm-hmm. some songs together at, it was at a, at an Oaks party. And I mm-hmm. just started dating my wife. I remember that. And, uh, and then he and Mike Minogue and I started playing on a regular basis. I know Mike. For yeah. You yeah. have a business here too. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Horse. So, yeah. Dark Horse Creative. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So, uh, so we started hanging out and that's where I met Mike and another musician, Jay Stewart. They were all like these, graphic designer, musician guys. And, uh, and then Mike and I knew each, you know, I mean, we continued to know each other and play occasionally. And, and one day I needed a second player for a gig and, uh, my guy couldn't make it. So I just sent Mike a message and I'm like, Hey man, I was like, you want to join me? Come up, you know, here's where the gig is. Let's do it. And then it was so much fun and our voices really meld really well together. Mm -hmm, Right. And, uh, I always teased Alan. That's like, man, if you ever need a mandolin player, yeah, yeah. I'm ready at a yeah. moment's notice. Well, he <laughs> called me out on it one day. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. So we, and then now we've been playing together. We kind of dubbed it Prather Lane Duo. Yeah. And uh, we've been doing that a couple years, a little over two years now. And then, well, so when did you pick up the guitar? Uh, that's your main instrument, right? Yeah. That's Do you play what, other instruments? Yeah. I can play a few other instruments. Uh, I can play bass. What was your introduction to playing music? Well, uh, I was telling somebody when I was about eight or nine years old, my mother dated a guy who played guitar and he didn't play out or anything. He just had a guitar at the house and he would pick around and stuff. And I think that's when I really like, cause I'm pretty much a first generation musician for my family. Nobody wow. in my family plays. And uh, did you sign up for music lessons at some point? No, when I was 21 I, or when I was 18, I got my first guitar as a graduation gift. Oh, wow. And then it sat around for a few days or a few years. And I was in my first stint of college and I was actually was taking a history of rock and roll class and the teacher had a bass and he was like, let me show you all this Beatles song or something. And so I got up there and played the bass and was like killing it. And he was like, man, you are actually pretty good at this. And I'm like, he's like, you should play. So then I was like, it kind of sparked it to be like, well, I need to get that guitar out and isn't it interesting how the suggestion of you're yeah. good at something makes you hungrier to yeah. go, I think I'm going to pursue a little bit. Yeah, of it. I exactly. might try some of this. Yeah. Kind of important. Just a little encouragement. It's, it's kind of important to encourage people, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I always said it's kind of a humble thing because there's a lot of people out there that 
think they're way better than what other people think they are, you know, and then there's people that are really good that don't see it in themselves and they just need somebody else to, you know, I think, uh, it's certainly, you know, this is, there's so many like intertwining, uh, things here that have similar themes. I mean, your entrepreneurs, your musicians and artists, uh, woodworkers and all there is a, um, there's an element to performance to where, you know, uh, well, there was Jerry Seinfeld had a, a joke that said, uh, most people, uh, it, it said that the statistics studies show that people's number one fear is public speaking and the number two fear is death. And he said, so that means <laughs> that you would, you would rather be in the box at a funeral than actually be delivering the eulogy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's something about entrepreneurs. Uh, you have to have a confidence and a willingness to fail. Mm-hmm. And when you look at people who perform, uh, whether it's music or any number of things, you're, you're putting yourself out there. Yeah. And to your point where you, you almost need a little ego to mm-hmm. get you in front of that microphone. Yeah. especially if you're a singer yeah. on top of the the playing. And there's a level of execution that requires a lot of practice, and then you've got to factor in nerves. So it, it kind of transcends public speaking in a lot of ways um, because once you know what you're talking about, well, you can control your words, but you still have to learn how to move those fingers mm-hmm. and uh, and those things. So it's, it's there's an interesting uh, dynamic there. And then the encouragement piece of it, I think, is something that uh, – that's all that people need. Um, we were talking briefly before the we started recording about schooling and college and some of those things, and this is a theme that comes up a lot on this podcast. It's probably me forcing my opinions down, but uh, it's my microphone. So, um, <laughs> but it is a um, it is an interesting uh, time. Um, you know, you mentioned YouTube University yeah. and, uh, it's, I spent a lot of time on YouTube. I like to fish and I saw guys that were making fishing lures mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I think I've got enough stuff in my garage to kind of make some of those myself. Yeah. And so I watched those things a lot. I, I watch a lot of cooking shows and things where people are making things and you can really learn a lot. Um, I think I could take a class, uh, at a university and not get as much as I could off of a, you know, several hours of, you know, paying attention yeah. to what's going on in YouTube. And so, those resources are out there, and with technology, you know, we were talking. This podcasting equipment was not very expensive. Like the prices have come down. People mm-hmm. can make their own movies. They can make their own uh, art, and then now they have platforms. You mentioned your social media following. That's a business. You actually, I actually have a file on my movie or my phone right now. Actually, I need to share because it it's over a year old. But, but I had recorded my own song at home, and then a buddy of mine went out. And he's good with the camera, and on a iPhone, filmed a music video. Wow. And it's all on my phone, ready to go. My intentions were to get with Mike and the other guys in the right. band and shore up the song a little better. But things get away from you, and you know, right. uh, it's well, kind of loose. Like raw, they yeah, like, and it is. Yeah. It's raw. It's a, mm-hmm. just me and a guitar, and then overlaid on the videos and photos out in Goshen area, skylight where I grew up, and yeah, beautiful. And it's just about my hometown, you know, and. Uh, so yeah, so I need to. It's going to need a mandolin at some yeah, point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. At some point, some harmonies, some. <laughs> well, you put out the actual, the yeah. produced version of yeah. it once you can build up yeah. That, that. Yeah, and that's eventually, and you know, when in the Allen Lane band, we have recorded a full original album, and that was out there. I need to get it back on a, a digital media store, Spotify, iTunes, someplace. It was out there for a while. For some reason, that <laughs> it came down, and yeah. I just never put it back out. Um, well, there are a lot of people you mentioned. Uh, there are a lot of people out there that are working jobs that would dream about doing these types of things. And so there's a lot of fundamentals that you're talking about right now that I hope that uh, people are putting together um, as far as you you built your audience and you created your stuff and you put it out there. You just need a platform and there's a lot of platforms available. Mm -hmm. Your shop on main street's a platform Mm -hmm. now to to show off the, the physical things that you guys have made with your hands. 
And um, it's it's a combination of all those things that it takes for a business to survive. So, you know, um, I mentioned growing up at the music store, we sold musical instruments. We played gigs on weekends. We taught music lessons. You got to do a lot of things. Um, you know, Mike's doing graphic design. He's painting murals and you're doing a lot of those types of things, but you've got a business in each of those things. And then mm-hmm. obviously they, they connect. So if, if you're an insurance salesman or, or perhaps in some, and I don't mean to pick on insurance salesmen at all. I, everybody needs one, but um, you know, if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you may, you may have some, some means uh, to start planting the seeds of other ways to build a business. No. And like we were talking earlier, there's a lot of people like that because of the outside influence of our environment saying you have to get a four-year degree or you don't amount to anything. That's right. And I like that whole uh, micro platform of promoting the trades and promoting arts and promoting things that will fulfill you financially and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, not just work your nine to five. You know, though, the the work ethic part part of it is still, that's the X factor for everybody in every profession. And creativity is attractive. Uh, but it also, there's a lot of hours you've spent playing those instruments. Oh, yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. How long did you play before, I'll direct this to Mike, before you were playing out? Oh, I've, I've played my entire life. My family all played instruments. Any family functions, were there were instruments around. But I never played out. And uh, going back to what you said, I never really felt like I was very good. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was okay. I could sit around a campfire or sit in a living room and play uh, songs along with, but I never really gave myself credit to to get out and do it. But you remember your first gig? Yes, it was uh, with Gustavo uh, here in Crestwood no. or here in Lagrange. Um, so yeah, and so I haven't really played out much at all. So when Alan asked me uh, to to play, wow, with so him, it's that recent? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we really just. It, it and it you you brought it up. It takes a lot of courage to get up there and get behind that microphone, especially when you're singing. Right, like I can right. I can pl- I could hit all my notes on the guitar, but when you're trying to lay those vocals in, yeah, uh, you're yeah. really kind of putting yourself out there. I love your correlation with the business too, because when you start your own business, I mean, you really are setting up to uh, walk the tightrope. Right, uh, you, you could fall at any time, uh, so it does take that same amount of courage, that same amount of Nervous energy. Yeah. Um, well, and you got to put the time in on the things that aren't fun, right? Uh, Practicing yeah. an instrument isn't fun, yeah. right? If you're learning to play a stringed instrument, your fingers are going to hurt for a while. Yeah. Uh, physically hurt. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then you got to keep leaning into that. And mm-hmm. and you aren't going to sound good for a long time. I, I mean, I personally remember when I finally decided, hey, I'm going to learn to play this guitar. Like, I pretty much shut everything else out of my life, you know, and that was prime dating time, too, you know. <laughs> That's and, right. That's and, right. Uh, but, you know. I upped my worth a little bit. That's more. right. You Once you mean? can play like, a guitar, girls, girls yeah. like guitar players. That's I mean, right. You're in. But yeah, so, <laughs> but there's the build, just like the building blocks of everything you need to get in order before you open that business. It's the same way with, and you know, music is of course for us was different for me because it was all so new and so from the time I was 21 till I was 28, yeah, I was like that. I was just playing at my friend's house or at my house, you know, just chilling, you know, just an additive to the party, not like 
let's book shows and play real parties right, and right. stuff like that. Well, and there's a lot of people, they'll start a business the same way they would start a band. They're going to name yeah. the band, they're going to pick out the logo, and they haven't even picked up an instrument yet. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So those people that do that with a business, we yeah. meet them all the time as they want to mm-hmm. come in here and, and get ideas on what to do. And that was the cool thing about this. And I remember on our opening day for Mainly Creative, Mike and I were the first two at the store, and I'm like, this is kind of weird. You know, like, I knew, well, Mike had his art gallery here on Main Street mm-hmm. for seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID hit and he had stopped and then, you know, when he approached me about it and I'd been looking at different avenues too, because when I was building things, I was in another shop here in LaGrange that didn't last real long. The lady had to relocate called Reva Chic. And I really enjoyed making things just to make them right, and see if they sold where instead of like all the time I get, and I'm trying to cut that part out, but all the time I get people that contact me and say, hey, you know, can you build this or build sure. that? Now I want to do what I call free build. Right. Where there's no order involved. You're just building creatively. Right. And then putting it in the shop and seeing where it goes. You well, know? what about learning the tools of woodworking oh, yeah. oh, also? Yeah. I mean, that's like what learning your guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, and that's what I told somebody else. Yeah, make having the right tools and the right setup for a little bit. I had like this rinky dink thing set in my garage, but then eventually I build what they call a miter station and right. everything's in its place. And it takes a while to figure out you need a miter yeah. station, right? Mm-hmm. Or I could do this better and faster if I did. Oh, yeah. That. And it, yeah. it's crazy. I was telling somebody the other day, just like I've gotten really into making these bourbon bottle lamps. It's crazy how many tools you need just to make one small lamp. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, right. I'll have six different tools setting there, not to mention the saw I use to cut the base wood and all that stuff. But you know, the drill, the pliers, the screwdriver, the, the glue, you know, right. all the different things just to make this one little product, you know. And um, I know some people, you have to value your time, which I'm kind of new to it to where, like, I enjoy it still so much sure. doing it that, like, yep. I don't. And the, and the whole reason I got into it was the necessity of let's try to do this on the cheap, you know, right. because, like, I don't want to spend $600 for this piece of art, you know. Right. So, I don't personally put a big price tag on a lot of stuff I make. I put a fair marketed price tag on it. Right. Um, you can outwork a price real fast if you put way more time into <laughs> something that's. It is, know, and then right. and then as an artist, you get a perfectionist streak in yeah. you where you yeah. want to have it be that. Well, you're just saying it like I wish I would have produced this differently or yeah. whatever. But yeah. I guess I'm going to have to get out. You just yeah. mm-hmm. there's a point where you just have to say this is what it is. Right. Mm-hmm. We like to say we make about six dollars an hour. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, it's. Um, my wife's, uh, my lovely wife Beth is a mm-hmm. talented painter, um, and so she has. Um, and I've dabbled in drawing and painting, but um, literally the use of the tools um, is so difficult. Um, I can't achieve what I would like. I would prefer a pencil because I can be more precise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I see some of the paintings, Mike, that you've done and whatnot, and it's just breathtaking. But the level of skill to get there, the mm-hmm. to to know. Um, you know, how this is going to fit on the canvas, mm-hmm. um, the space it's going to fill, the, the proportions uh, related to that stuff. That is not, um, that has to be developed. Yeah, and it goes back to what you were talking about. Uh, like, I teach a technique, and I, well, I use the technique myself, but it, I, I like to call it general to specific. And, you know, you get to see the painting when it's pretty and finished. But when that painting gets started, uh, it is just a mass of colors and, and shapes and, and, and things that are all very general in shape. Uh, and then as I get uh, uh, where 
I like my composition. I, I like where people are placed or fruit are placed or, or how my design, I use my graphic design skills when, right. when I'm painting so that, you know, everything stays balanced. But all that goes into general, you know, I'm staying general. And then, you know, about the, the second half of my time of 20 hours I've spent on a painting is, is specific. Right. So now I'm starting to hit details and starting to make it pretty and, um, so yeah, so did you take for you had to take formal painting lessons, right? At some point, some uh, you know, I went to a, a state college, went to WKU as, as an artist, uh, only because I really didn't feel like I could graduate in anything else. <laughs> I knew I could make an A in art. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I had some training. I had a, a really good artist here in Louisville named Martin Rollins who who worked with my skill set and really got me going to a. Uh, a whole another level uh, taught me general to specific, right. and I love teaching general to specific. It's it's a, a it's a, it's a, a a theory that really you can use in a lot of things. So I I like to joke around that uh, you can use it in raising kids because you want to teach them the general parts when they're little, but when they get a little bit older, you can start specifically saying these are the things. Oh, you're that's a great need. analogy. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so tell me about. Um, what it's been like to do, you know, uh, is a blessing and a curse and making a living off of your passions, right? So you get to do work on your passion, but then your passion can be really something that can burn you out. It can make you work till 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So do you find yourself <laughs> switching between mediums maybe to, to freshen your perspective? Or do you do you find yourself going home and just going, gosh, sometimes I just want a nine to five? Well, I have a nine to five, so that takes a little pressure off of me where it's not as much for me about making the, the money, but, uh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's the store. And, and really, I don't have a lot in the store for Selra right now because I'm so busy with everything else. And I built all of the furniture for the store and always building new displays. Right. And, you know, we have great artists that are local people that are selling their products in there also. So we're all kind of helping each other with this project. Right knowingly and unknowingly you know um but i was thinking about like the creative aspect that general to specific mm-hmm. before i build something i've already built it in my head all the way to the four end four or five times wow. i went through every step i'm not a artist in any means as far as like with pen and pencil but i'll draw out the schematics and make sure right you know because there's a lot of foresight in it you have to that plan. i didn't know right when i first started about how just the the general width of a board, how that changes the size, and you always have to account for that mathematically to get to, right? you know, to make sure the top fits, you know, or right. this side fits or this shelf's going to shut this in without having. So that stuff was the more detailed learning aspect of it, you know, like, and then, you know, how they get that wood together, you know, like, and all the different steps you can use, uh, all these different joinery techniques and things like that, and, but I don't, I don't go as far to call myself a woodworker as much as I do just a creator. Sure. Because I like to work with a little bit of metal and a little bit of wood right. and a little bit of glass and a little bit of wood. And I'm not a fine furniture maker. I'm right. not anywhere near that. And I don't think I'd want to be that specific. Right. I kind of like the more raw, upcycled thing where you take something that already had a life being a whiskey bottle or a bourbon barrel stave or um, a barnwood plank and 
taking that and refashioning it to its new life. You know? Well, it's also part of your process where you are now as an artist, right? You'll continue to mature as, yeah. a, as an artist and every other thing that you are over time. So the under, like we were just talking about understanding what tools you would need as you learn to use them and then get good with them and then develop those things. Your interests yeah. also continue to develop too. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a pretty fascinating aspect. I think a lot of people who wish I think, well, I, I believe, um, I dealt for a lot of years in teaching music lessons that, um, we hit, you know, about half of our students were adults and they are notoriously want to give, it's kind of an, it's an excuse. They, well, I didn't, I don't have the musical talent or whatever. And I I believe that the arts and music specifically uh, is such a broad discipline that you do have talent in multiple aspects of it. There might be an, a part of it you will struggle with. Maybe your singing voice isn't good. Maybe you don't yeah. have a great ear, but that doesn't mean that you can't learn to read music and play yeah. or any number of different types of things. But And then if you push onto those parts you work, you'll develop those other parts as well. Um, and then that's where the discipline comes in. And that's why I was in music lessons was my parents said, you're going to take music lessons. Mm-hmm. And so um, and it's something I'm grateful for because like many people – um, I would have quit uh, as soon as I was able to, but they they treated it in our family like this is part of your education. And when you just like you can't quit math, yeah. um, you're not going to be quitting music. So when you graduate high school, if you choose not to pursue anything, then that's fine. And so that was good for me because I knew I wasn't going to be getting out of it. And I had practice uh, supposedly every day, but I didn't <laughs> uh, for many years. Um, but my what I'm getting at there is I think for a lot of people who who don't do what you do, um, they kind of think, well, you know, uh, you just give, you were just born this way. You right. could just do it. And while you certainly, uh, everybody's born with gifts and talents, um, you have to develop them. Right. Absolutely. So, so tell me about the process of developing your skills to the point where you're, uh, ready to charge money for them. <laughs> I well, mean, I mean, musically, uh, it got to the point with my other friend, Mike Minogue and I, where it was kind of like, he's like, oh, you know, he was kind of there. He's kind of like the, you know, the sensei, you know what yep. I mean? Like yep. he had played for money before and, uh, and then he was like, yeah, you know, he was the one that said, yeah, you could do this and gig. I didn't know anything about live performance or anything. I remember finally there was like a little pizza place in uh, Crestwood and, they were looking for people to play, so I've seen the lady at the grocery store and said, hey, I play a little bit, you know. And she was like, yeah, let's book a show, you know. And <laughs> this is what we we paid $150. You know, funny thing is, I have friends today, and, I mean, I, we've played some big shows all around the United States and had tour buses and yeah. played four nights a week and all this stuff opened up for national acts. So they were like, one day I was sitting at a place waiting on uh, payment, and my friend's like, you get paid to do this? <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes. But, uh, but yeah, so I, th- I think finally when you get that confidence and um, kind of like the woodworking thing, I didn't know that there was a market sure. for, I mean, handmade stuff, you know, especially in kind of the medium I, I do. and and uh, But I finally just went out there and was like, you know, it's time to – yeah. So you want to buy this? It's going to cost yeah, let's this go. much. Yeah, right. and, and and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, here's what we're paying to play, and you get food and beer, and, yeah. you know, you invite all your friends. And and I remember I didn't even know you could have, like, a set list on the floor to, like, go buy <laughs> off right. of. Right. Ironically, I don't use one to this day. I have it all really in my head. And 
and all the songs we know and, and when they need to be played and all that. But uh, I had a buddy sitting at the first table with cue cards with my songs on them. <laughs> and right. he would flip them up, and I'd be like, oh, this is the next song, you know. And <laughs> Alan's really – Set some lyric sheets out. Maybe. Yeah. Alan's really good at knowing what song comes next. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and the, you know, that's now something. are you presetting your set list before the the gig, or are you? Oh no, you're no. He can you're feel the, room. the crowd, yeah. feel I, the room, I've, and you know, know where the where it has play, to go. You know, I say it's a, it's a, um, what do you call it? There's a blueprint of how to work a crowd. You know right. what I mean? And yeah. and you and as and that's something you learn as you play no live. Skill, yeah. Like mm-hmm. nobody wants to sit there and listen to thirty five slow songs. You know right. what I mean? Or right you know, kind of things that people want to be There's a time to take it up to dance music. Yeah. They either yeah. want to dance to it or sing along to it, yeah. you know, and so you want to hone in on songs that that work the crowd that way, and uh, that's just kind of something you, you learn, and and you use that set list. You add new stuff to the set list and, and move some songs around, but for the most part, you kind of start off, and we had, I have, well, I learned a lot. There was a guy named Matt Davidson. Oh yeah, and he was with, Matt, and Matt uh, was in a bad car wreck, and yeah. he was a southeast, and yep. he kind of taught me that. He played bass for me a little bit when I first started. I went to high school with Matt. Okay, yeah. but when I first started playing, uh, I needed, you know, I was kind of finding musicians, and now I've had pretty much the same guys for several years in a row. But uh, you know, he was kind of like, oh, "I can help you with the live performance part," and because they yeah. do that with the, right. the church, and mm-hmm. and I learned a lot from him about how to. You know, set up your set list where you're not knocking it out of the park all the time, but right. you're also not, you know, right. But you want to knock it out of the park at a right time. At the right time, that's you know. Right. So that's we kind of where I got a, that. We were playing a venue one night, uh, uh, and we were supposed to be we were on stage till eleven o'clock, and then the DJ was coming after us, uh, and the DJ I, I thought gave us the best compliment because most time they're like, "You all get off stage, it's my turn." But this guy was like, you all got this crowd so revved up. He said, play for another half hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah. That's great. That was, uh, well, definitely in, in doing a show, I was talking uh, earlier about stand-up comedy. And one of the, there's a great uh, movie called Funny People where it's demonstrated the most. And, um, you know, I was doing local comedy and regional. I got in a couple of things. But you, what's great about comedy, so with music, you, you need to learn to play an instrument before you can actually go out there with a band. Yeah. With comedy, you can find yourself at an open mic, and then after a couple of months, you're on stage with, with actual real comedians and touring people. And so um, it's great because it's almost like uh, if you're starting to learn to play trumpet, it's going to be a while before you're going to get to play with Miles. Well, we're not, nobody's going to be playing with Miles Davis, but um, it, you can't get on stage there until you're quite accomplished, right? So uh, with comedy, though, you can have some people who are really trained professionals pull you aside and see your set and tell you what you can work on. Um, and one of the things that, that's interesting about running a show uh, that this movie captured so well was uh, in the movie Adam Sandler plays a famous stand-up comic, and he grabs this guy who's just an open micer and says, I've got to do a benefit. Um, for a fundraiser, and I want you to come open for me. And the guys, Adam Sandler got yeah, he can't, yeah, he was sick. Yes, yeah. okay, okay. So uh, he hired, and Seth Rogen plays the uh, the young comedian, and he's mm-hmm. going to go with him to this this fundraiser. Well, the fundraiser they're in Hollywood, and so the fundraiser like on stage is James Taylor playing. Oh, I love that. And uh, that <laughs> you know the scene that, is yes, great. Yes. And he said, uh, he goes, all right. Well, James Taylor's James is going to come off here in a second, and you're going to go up and do your set. And this guy's just started being a comedian. He goes, yeah. I can't follow James Taylor. And yeah. Adam Sandler says, neither can I. That's why I brought you. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, James Taylor had no. the best one liner in that whole movie. What was the line? I forgot. I can't say the word. Oh, here, right, right, it, right, was, right. it was. <laughs> 
you know what to MySpace. Oh yes, that's, <laughs> that's right. Because the artists were getting uh, all the, losing all their, uh, yeah. their music for free. Yeah. So, uh, but it is there's so many aspects of the business of music and all of these types of things, and then running shops and yeah. and doing that. So um, it's really it's pretty interesting. I'll say just from my vantage point, uh, working with the Chamber of Commerce, and one of the things that I really love about what what we do here is. Um, and we see this a lot. I'm, I talked about this on the the thing, you know, I've had Gant Jones on and John Stewart, and both of them are very active in volunteering out in the community with their skills, right? Um, so, you know, Gant is working on the Maples Park project and a lot of things in Crestwood. And his wife, Sarah, and he are working on the, the uh, Springs Park project here in LaGrange. Um, you know, Alan, your music has been uh, something that Olo County has been aware of for a long time. I mean, at the level that you play and your voice and uh, you know, you're talking about the song you wrote for about your hometown and skylight and Mike's got murals up all over the place here. It's, it's really what makes the community um, have a character is what is coming out of the people here. And so whether we're talking about somebody designing a, a park, you know, like Gant's fingerprints are here. John Stewart's fingerprints are here. Your all's fingerprints are here and it, it makes it a compelling place to want to be and I think it also encourages other people to want to contribute something that's greater than, uh, you know, what they're just trying to make a buck or whatever, which is, I'm all for everybody making a buck. Yeah. Um, but I think it's a really important aspect of uh, what makes a, a community unique, especially when you are thought of in a lot of people's minds as a suburb to another place. Yeah. Um, but this isn't a suburb to another place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always like to say uh, Louisville's a great amenity to Oldham County um, <laughs> because, the, you know, there's a lot of history here, um, a lot of history in LeGrand's, a lot of history in Crestwood for that yeah. matter. Um, and so when you look at that, what preserves that character is are the things that you do. And so that was uh, one of the reasons I wanted to have you guys on here to talk about this. But I also thought it would be great for people to hear about um, – the people that do the things that you do, but are also uh, waking up and having to kill it and drag it home every day, right? Yeah. So um, I think it's common for a lot of people, but specifically for artists where you've got a lot of gigs, you got a lot of irons and different fires, and those things change over time. So yeah. I had shared with you, you know, our music store was more of a retail space for many, many, many years, and the Internet, of course, has affected greatly how retail works. Yeah. Um, and you see your margins shrinking on instruments you would sell and whatnot. But we'd always been a studio. We started as a studio. And so kind of getting back to that route has been something that's been successful for uh, the business there. But but the the moments where you have to make those decisions to pivot, and how do I pivot? You know, that's where we get back to that entrepreneur mindset is you have a lot of people who want a sure thing, um, and they're not necessarily cut out to be entrepreneurs uh, yeah. because it's not a sure thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what they don't think is, or what they don't realize, I, I believe, is nothing's a sure thing. But you've got to be willing to roll with it and change your perspective. So, Mike, with between painting and music and graphic design, tell me a little bit about all those things. I mean, you know, the city paid you to do the, the mural. That sure. was a gig, right? Yeah, so you right. get to be creative, but you're also getting paid some money there. But you got to right. keep those murals coming in, right? <laughs> right. you got to have a lot of walls in the right. grave. I, I always say one of the hardest parts of, of um, you know, Running a business as a creative uh, is the day that I have to sit down. Yesterday was a great example. So, our, you know, you pay quarterly sales taxes. I spent what, which, what, and an accountant could probably go to QuickBooks and pop these reports out in about 20 minutes, but it takes me about three hours yeah. for me to, to go through my numbers and all that sort of stuff. So now I've got a whole different mindset than 
trying to create a beautiful logo or trying to come up with another mural. Gear shifting. Yeah. Hard. Yeah. yeah. So running a business, it's just a, it's just a whole nother creative hat that we wear. Um, we're musicians, we're artists, but we're all, now we're businessmen too. Sure. Uh, so it's, how do you manage not having the creativity sucked out of your <laughs> body, but from the just grind of the bookwork and, and those things. Probably what you alluded to earlier where, you know, in that, in mainly creative, we have a lot of outlets. So like, um, I've got nine portraits due by November, uh, 10th. So, you know, I'll work on one for a little while, but, uh, I can get up and go grab a mandolin off the wall and walk around and play it. Uh, and then, uh, also, uh, go back to an oil painting where I'm oil painting for a couple of hours. And then, Go back, sit down behind my iMac, and and work on a magazine. How how specific in your discipline are you as mm-hmm. far as like? Do you assign yourself work hours where these are the hours I'm going to be doing that, or does yeah. it just you I, go in and you just start putting out fires? I do try to I do try to uh, assign hours, but uh, I've n- I don't know that in the in all the years I've been in business that I, that you stay on that. I mean, right. uh, you, you think a painting's going to take two hours, man? It's going to take four. Do you have uh, a time of day where your work like where certain work is better for you. Like I, yeah. I can think better and more creatively in the mornings. Really? Uh, oddly enough, you know, I'm not really a night person. I'm about anymore. four to between four and seven o'clock in the afternoon. Ooh. I am, I am hitting high gear. Yeah. Uh, so if you wow. drive by and the lights are on in there, you'll know it's okay. Going on. Well, so what's your sleep schedule like? What's your what mornings mm-hmm. are you? I mean, you're, we're musicians here, so yeah. let's be honest. Well, I work third shift. So okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've been up since. Well, I just got off of work. And I went to the hardware store to buy stuff for the projects for this week, and and then so I don't really. I try. But are, you to a, are you a night owl? Do you stay up late? Not if I kind of try to stay. I mean, I do on the days that I work, but like right now, I'm going to be out my way. My work schedule works. I'm going to be off for six days, and I'll go right back to being a day shift person. Oh wow! And but but I think creatively, like I'm always. Just nonstop thinking about the next yeah. thing. I like don't I think actually, there's uptime or downtime because when you get on a project, that energy, that creative yeah. energy, the creative energy. I mean, awesome. I'll, I can stay up to three o'clock in the morning working on something. Yeah, sometimes. yeah. Once and you I, get in a zone, yeah. And I do that. Like somebody drops something off the other day, and I'm like, the next day, I'm like, it's ready. Yeah. And they're like, well, that was fast. I'm like, when I, yeah. I've already made focused. 35 of these now. So you right. know what I mean. So I have the, the the pattern, the routine down, and. And yeah, it was it was a new project, and the newer projects seem to get the fires going a little, especially if it's something you haven't built before, or, right? Or just something that you really like to do, like if it was a charcoal for you, I guess, or or even a music gig. I mean, yeah. we'll we'll go on and on stage at nine o'clock at night, yep. uh, but I mean that energy's pumping yeah. through you till yeah, right. two in the morning, right? Oh, and yes. you need yeah. it because you got to break yeah, down all that equipment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's what I like about the yeah. two man thing. We have yeah. these bow sticks now, <laughs> and all oh, right, you can walk yeah. into the gig with one. Yeah. One, uh, one, yeah. one car, one Man. trick from the car. Guitar well, in look, one hand and amp in the yeah. other. I'm a it. keyboard player. I had weighted keys and yeah. an 88 oh, uh, key wow. keyboard and a speaker with two wheels. And I'm wearing a tux. I got to right. take into yeah. some cocktail party and not scratch. Um, oh, get I, it in my and not scratch. I had a Ford probe. <laughs> it was awful. Gosh. <laughs> Said if I'm ever yeah. if I'm reincarnated <laughs> as a musician again, I'm being a bass player. That's, That's right. it. <laughs> not a vocalist, just a bass player. I'm just going to show up late. <laughs> Throw my stuff on stage and play the show. You know? Yeah, man, that's that's what you get paid for mm-hmm. is bringing right. it and setting up and yeah. breaking down. Because the music part's fun. 
Um, so what what what's uh, what kind of so all right, Alan? You mentioned about playing uh, and getting on the road. All right, you know, you started playing kind of late in life, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you got to a point where you're opening for people. You're putting it. Mm-hmm. You have an album out, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so how do you get there? Where how'd you get how'd you get gigs opening for people and hitting the road? Well, kind of luckily, uh, one of my good friends was a bartender at at Four Street Live. It was a bar called. Um, uh, at the time, it's Saddle Ridge. Now it's PBR, yeah. and they were looking for people to play, you know, on Fridays or Saturdays before the night crowd gets there, just yep. to entertain that early crowd. And um, so that's I got down there for that. Well, then Four Street Live has national acts all the time, and they need <clears throat> they need people to open up for them. And then there was a guy named uh, Dave Mazowatsky is the um, stage manager down there, and he got a hold of my stuff and. Because uh, Mike Minogue and I had made, like, a little sample right. uh, EP, you know, right. just uh, acoustic and vocals. And I was – back then, it was still the electronic press kit thing. And, sure. Uh, I'd sent it out to them. And then uh, I guess the product was good enough that, you know, and uh, that – I mean, we had done a bunch of shows for them and then traveled around and did some. And uh, and I had, uh, had some good bandmates – a uh, guy named Jamie Hubbard, who also mm-hmm. he's a he does woodworking for our shop. He's one of our artists in there. Uh, he played drums for me for six or seven years, and he understood the business aspect of how to book shows, right. how to market yourself, stuff right. like that as well. So it was nice having two heads to sure. to do it. Now I play solely on word of mouth, I guess you know, right. mm-hmm. with our based on our name now and right. what the the creative what we've created over the years and. Um, you know, when it's such a different time on how you can make a living because you have access to audiences, you can build your own audience from your home. Yeah. You don't have to move to LA or New York no. necessarily to make well, it work. And I tell people that all the time. I mean, I'm 40, getting ready to turn 42 and I'm not moving to Nashville right. and right. trying to, I really, my head was never in that space. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was never, uh. You know, I uh, was stand-up, I was doing it as a creative outlet, and I never had the intention of trying to make a living at it, yeah. which, you know, I knew so. most of my comedian friends were trying to make a living at yeah. it. It is a hard life to be somebody that's on the road. Mm-hmm. Somebody had told me for every mile of road, there's a two miles of ditch. Yeah. And, oh. uh, and it's uh, certainly I, that I way with music. I yeah. <laughs> really on the road. Sounds like our next new song. Yeah, <laughs> several times, yeah. Uh, gosh, I mean. But it is, it is one of those things where you, you know, especially – being business people, I mean, you, it's you, you got to balance yeah. your life. I mean, everybody has to do it, but you're you're near, you know, you're playing in a, in a bar from nine to, to one in the morning. Yeah. Uh, well, you're in a bar from nine to one yeah. in the morning, right? Even though you're yeah. working, it is, uh, and, you know, and, and it's not all glory. That's you know right. what I mean. Not everybody in the crowd <laughs> loves everything you're doing. Just I mean, you probably experienced <laughs> oh that gosh, from media. Yes. Yeah. There's nothing <laughs> worse than that one drunk girl that just keeps coming to the stage, and we play predominantly. 90s country, you know, or classic rock and country, southern rock, and they're coming up there requesting like a Justin Bieber song. I'm yeah, like, have you not gosh. listened to the set? Well, you know, like, and uh, th- this is a public service announcement. I'll yeah. say it since I'm not <laughs> playing actively anymore. Uh, don't go talk to the musicians yeah. while they're gigging. Don't yeah. request songs. Yeah. Yeah. Really, just find let them, them do their them thing. On the break. Just shut up. Yeah, yeah. go enjoy okay. the music. Yeah. My thing is I always say, <laughs> find. Take a $20 bill, wrap it around a cold beer, bring it up to the stage. There you go. And say, hey, can you play Freebird? Yeah, that's better. No. <laughs> <laughs> or Wagon Wheel. That's right. <laughs> we call that the Freebird of the New Millennium. That is true. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know, man. And it's, there's so many cliches like that. It yeah, goes it yeah. goes across all those uh, types of things. But then, but that's the business yeah, of that's, performing. Yeah. That's not the art. That's the yeah. part of where you got to figure out mm-hmm. how do I do this consistently um, from a living standpoint, mm-hmm. um, and also self preservation. But also, you, it's magic that happens from nine to one in a bar. Yeah, now, let's yeah, be honest. Yeah, it's it great. Is. That's why people go there. Yeah. Right? It is Especially when thing. when the whole room is on the page that you're on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, when it's you're exciting, leaving, man. it's, when it's all like yeah. It. When it's all it's there, it's like there, it. and and the stuff you see from the stage too. Yeah. As oh, you're, yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I never realized we look like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but just, it's it's exciting when and and the room is just jumping and yeah. and yeah. when the crowd's excited, we're excited. We play yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. So what uh, what styles of music do you like that you don't play? Um, are there, are there, what did, do you get inspired mm-hmm. from other things, uh, that, that, uh, I don't know necessarily, I don't mean that does that, mm-hmm. does that style find its way into your music, but does it make you just want to, I remember used to go, whether it be a concert, especially with concerts, but, um, sometimes we'd go to a trade show, uh, in California, the national, uh, oh, yeah. association of music merchants mm-hmm. was there and we, there were two of those a year. And as a young person, uh, I would go along with, that's where dad would place orders on, instruments and things that we would be carrying and of course each it's a trade show there's booths yeah. but the the businesses would have like it, you know be did you go to nam any yeah I went to yeah, nam, NAM yeah. yeah so uh, awesome. and it was in anaheim and it yeah. was uh it was great but you know there might be you know lars aldrich from metallica in the drum booth and yeah. he's putting on a clinic or something and it was mm-hmm. really cool i remember going home from that trip energized to sit down and practice uh, piano, you know, mm-hmm. weirdly enough. So, or, um, and you met, uh, I was just thinking like, uh, that energy I always associate and one of the best live music experiences people can have is if you could get to hear a Latin, uh, uh, Latin music with full percussion and horns and, uh, sing- multiple singers, it is something that will just give you chills. Um, so are there other styles of music that kind of inspire you to go back and do more or, uh, what is it you like? Well, like on the mandolin, you know, the mandolin's traditionally a bluegrass instrument, but we don't really play a lot of bluegrass. Right. So I, I really like to look at technique uh, from Sam Bush uh, and uh, some other from artists. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, how can I how can I work uh, a, blue, uh, a, a mandolin technique into uh, a song that we do all the time, like a Tom Petty song? Right. You know, how can I work that in? Or even a... You know, an old George Jones song, How Can I Work the Mandolin In? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's great. And it, and I think going back to it, it just lends to your creativity. Can I, I can hear it? Can I, can I feel it? And can I play it? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What about you? Well, you know, uh, I, bluegrass is, is one I like to listen to. But I was telling some, this is a cool point the other day, because somebody requested a song. And I'm like, I don't play that song, but I almost don't play it because I want to protect the song. You know what I mean? Because right. I don't want it to be right. Wagon Wheel or, or Freebird, one of those sure. songs that just got burned out. You know, I want it to stay Special. a song that I enjoy hearing phonically, you know, not something, right. you know. But, yeah, I listen to 90s country. like That's like my right. jam, you know. Yeah. Like I put my headphones on, me and my dog go out to the garage, and I build things and, and listen to music, but... I like pretty much everything. Some days I'll just listen to older rap. You that, know, yeah, or, that was going to be know. another question I had. Yeah. Is um, it's shocking? It was and being a music teacher uh, many years ago was really surprising because I always asked people. But I I listen to music nonstop. I mean, yeah. um, 
and the way I consume music, like I don't subscribe to any uh, music services like Spotify or whatever because um, and YouTube, I can catch myself doing it. But I used to buy an album, and then because of it was a purchase and I invested some money in that, I would make myself listen to the album instead of mm-hmm. if I could just listen to a song here or there. Um, I might not. I mean, the album is going to give some context for what the artist is doing if you yeah. really care. So <clears throat> listening critically to things is something that I really enjoy doing, and I don't think a lot of people do that. So do you find yourself... You were just mentioning, I, yeah. I mean, is there, I'd prefer li- just listening to music and doing something around the house mm-hmm. than, um, you know, watching a TV show or something. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I watch very little TV. Uh, and, and if I do watch TV, it's usually reality based. I don't really get into sure. it. Right. I always say there's enough drama in everybody's <laughs> real lives. Why watch somebody else's drama? That's my personal right. take on it. But yeah, I don't. Well, I, so what do you love right now? What do you listen to you can't get enough of? Oh. Uh, Album-wise. Or do you listen to albums? Well, I do buy. I'll, if it's something I really like, I will go on to iTunes and purchase the album. Uh, right. There's a guy named Larry Fleet that I'm listening to right now. He's kind of, he's country, but he's uh-huh. uh, he's kind of somewhere between like the Zach Brown sound. Yeah. That Zach Brown's got a new album out. I've right. been wanting to hear it. Um, but... When I listen to my own music, I like to listen to, like, and I tell people that all the time, you know, that everybody bitches about, sorry, about the, yeah, fine. About the uh, um, country music scene, because that's where I'm at, you know? And I'm like, there's a million great country music yeah. singers that aren't on the radio. Yeah, and right. Out there because they have this technology, like we were talking that's about right. earlier, like Whitey Morgan, Sturgill Simpson. Uh, Tyler Childers, where yep. Tyler's gotten a little more mainstream now, yeah. but he still has a real soulful, right. older country. Uh, Cody Jinks, there's a, and then, uh, oh, uh, Cody Johnson, who yep. came out of Texas. I was going to mention, like, so I, I love all music, and there's, there's from every genre, there's something that I, I can find myself loving. I don't, um, it's kind of like I, I was with Indian food. It's like, all right, it's fine. All right, I'm okay with it, but I don't really like curry. And so uh, when, in country music, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't care for, and mostly it was because it was country pop, and it was yeah. more pop than country. And so some of the old stuff, George Jones, George Strait, mm-hmm. some of that, but Sturgill Simpson was one yeah. where I've been trying to get myself back into, like, well, let me find some things that I do like just so I can mix things up. Um, and that was something that, you know, country music especially, you can get some country artists that are yeah. from Kentucky, and I like I like when they're local it's too. such a raw talent with Tyler Childers. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, the way he – uh, goes after songs, and you can tell he's singing straight from yeah. knowledge and heart. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's yeah. great. Deep down, like, well, if he's not being recorded, he's still playing, right? Yeah, he's exactly. gonna be. Yeah, uh, it's passion. What about you, Mike? What any? What do you love with now? Are you listening to anything that you? Well, just uh, I really like uh, Tyler Childers' uh, music mm-hmm. right now. Just the the, the way he, the, the rawness of it. But when I was, uh, I probably I like to listen to a lot of. Uh, REM and Talking Heads, because oh, yeah. that's got a, a really a lot of mandolin there. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and I didn't realize it until after I got the mandolin. It's like uh, there's mandolin in all these, uh, but it's such a great uh, uh, pump you up uh, type of rhythm in most of those songs, especially David Byrne coming out with that. Oh yeah, uh, his uh, Broadway show. Uh, that's it's just fantastic. It's got a great energy for me. Yeah, like I can get up and paint for hours if I've got talking heads on. Sure. Yeah. 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 It definitely it, it mm-hmm. uh, accompanies. It's mm-hmm. a. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. There's there's the sitting and listening. There's going mm-hmm. to the concert and consuming it that way. And then there's mm-hmm. the what is it? What's the affect it's given your? Uh, right. What context is it applying for your moment? Right. 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 Um, 
I, it's definitely I. I didn't expect us to go this far into the music talk, but <laughs> yeah. well, uh, no, but it's hard not to, and it's fun. Yeah, and I think you know fun. people love music, but um, mm. I've got so tomorrow uh, there's a new My Morning Jacket album coming out that I'm really excited about. So that's so, one of those things I'll look forward to. Um, so something that I want to touch base on real fast, which we got away from one of the part of this mainly creative the business we asked we open up the aspect of it is to tap into influencing the next generation, you know, mm-hmm. right. Uh, not from the aspect of, Hey, I'm going to give them lessons, but for right. the introduction for like mm-hmm. the eight year old me, they got, had to get introduced some way. Right. right. This that, was a big part of how this, we got started yeah. when Alan was talking about really trying to make our community uh, understand yeah. uh, that you don't have to shy away from these yeah. instruments. It's like, yeah, I seen this thing the other day is what is something what is something you thought when you were younger made you successful? But when you were older, you found out that that's not what makes you successful. Mm-hmm. Like when I was younger, I thought only rich people played golf because right. like right. the guy that owned the farm right. where I grew up right. was a golfer. And like, I didn't know anybody personally that played golf. I thought right. everybody that played it was, you know, and some people might be the fact that like if your house, if your refrigerator made ice, yeah, you know, like that was something that you know <laughs> right, was bigger. Success, you know, yeah. the success. You that's know, you right. made it. But um, I used to think if you had a second floor, if you had upstairs, yeah. like we didn't have an upstairs. Yeah. So right. I'm like, man, they got yeah. I was looking at floor. my house one day, and I'm like, you could have stood our trailer on its end. You know what I mean? And our house, <laughs> my house is taller than that. You know, like, but uh, but no. So influencing the next generation, introducing to them. Mm-hmm. I was talking to a lady that was on our ribbon cutting. She remembers me from. Uh, my son's elementary school, which he's 12 now, but when he was in like the second or third grade, I did a, for the entire school, a presentation on folk music nice. and just how music can be creative. And that by the end of it, we created a blues song. Oh, very cool. And, That's so cool. And we're like, let's make it about homework and the school right, bus right. And, <laughs> and all this different stuff and, and make it relate. But that's kind of what we want to do up here mm-hmm. is – well, Mike does the painting classes, or sure, maybe we have one weekend somebody comes in and we we do build birdhouses, right. show them how to right use a hammer. To well, I think that um, yeah, talk about accessibility for people yeah. to have a spot where they can yeah. go and learn. I mean, it, right. you know, we've got the Oldham County Schools Arts Center in Crestwood that I think they have over fifteen hundred students. Yeah. I mean, so they're doing a tremendous job of doing that. Mm-hmm. We have a music shop in Crest Crestwood as well, Crestwood Music Shop yeah. that's um, you know that serves the community here. Um, in, you know, in LaGrange, you guys are, what you're doing is it's, it's, it's an access point for people to come in, but those skills that they'll get from Mike's painting classes or from, if they do a woodworking session Mm -hmm. with you, they're going to carry on to other things. They all apply. I'm living proof of that. I mean, you know, my, uh, my resume does not lend itself to be the economic development head of Oldham County, Kentucky. But, uh, what did was I was doing that while I was working here part-time selling memberships and getting to know his community getting to know this business. Um, I do have some education in, in this, uh, but I found a passion in it. But every one of the principles that got me to be able to play the piano or got me to learn how to teach or got me to get in front of a crowd or do any of those types of things, I use them all the time here. And so um, I think it's an important aspect of when I would consider that a trade. I mean, there is formal education for it, and I had have that too, but um, I, my degree is not in music. It yeah. is political science, which yeah. music is probably a – lucrative degree your life better is, degree your but, life is but it music, is though it is that's You're, right i mean that's part your, of that's it. your it's, dna it's, that's exactly well, right well mike couldn't 
you can't play a show with me, so my guitar player is going to play a show with me. And he's like, well, I have to dust it. Because we haven't played in a little bit as far as the full band. Because with the shop and I really like the the duo. That's kind of right. like, it's fun to me. I love to hear the vocals, hear right. the harmonies. And Mike and I do, I think we put on a, a stellar show and put out a, a great uh, list of songs. And my guitar player's like, yeah, I'll dust it off. And I'm like, dude, we've, we've been playing together 10 years. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. it's not even a dust off thing. And yeah. he's one of those guys, too, that you tell him the chord progression and just walk right through he, it. He's going to yeah. walk through it. You could yeah. start it in an E and he'll follow you all the way. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I was talking to what got me back to was uh, my morning jacket. Right. So Tom Blankenship, okay. the bass player, yep. is from here. Yep. And uh, I did early on when I started playing, I did a fundraiser for a little kid around here that uh, had some neuroblastoma. And uh, Tom donated the bass, one of his bass guitars, his autographed and everything, with the video oh, that he wow. played it on Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's so awesome. So that Fender P bass, and uh, we raffled it off or whatever. Um, well, as huge as that band's gotten, their their local connection that they mm-hmm. keep and they foster yeah. is really important. Yeah, that's nice. So uh, I was talking to Mike about this, and uh, another aspect of being, you know, what kind of what, what you all said about us and our fingerprint on this community, we don't see that as much mm-hmm. as yeah. I guess everybody else does. But I see that for other people, right. you know. And right. uh, so we want to make a – I've been looking at different things, but I want to design a – mainly creative music award mm-hmm. that we present to or not music mm-hmm. just a creative award sure for art anybody that falls under the genre of stuff that we do mm-hmm. but kind of like doing an arts awards yeah uh, but for show. local people that have really done something mm-hmm. either locally or even nationally you know sure uh and our, one of the first ones is ray Bergman. And Ray played guitar and was the band leader for Hank Williams Jr. for mm-hmm. many years. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows. You know what I mean? Right, right. Most of this community does not know that. You right. Know? And um, so kind of like what we did. On well, our and like you meant with Blankenship as well. Yeah. I mean, those are yeah. those are really impactful yeah. musicians. Those who, guys have traveled the world. Sure. You know, and, and put their mark in music. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I'd like to say that I'm not, not a My Morning Jackson fan. My wife loves them. And, yeah. But she's from suburbs, Chicago, where right. – you know, out here, I grew up on yeah. a farm and listened to country. That's yeah. the, right. my bones. Well, you know? I'll tell you, so, and the reason I had brought them up that uh, I got away from was uh, we were talking about how we listen to music, but that was something where everybody talked about how much they loved them and how great they were, and I would listen to a song here and there, and be like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Um, and then eventually I ended up buying an album, um, and because I paid 20 bucks for a CD, right, <laughs> which is what you did back <laughs> yeah. in the day. Um, I felt obligated to listen to it, and I had it on, and it was fine, and I just kept it on, and it would stay in the car, uh, and the next thing you know, I'd, I'd have it on in the house and stuff, and then there was, a, I guess, a moment or a couple of moments where either a lyric caught me or a moment in the song caught me, and it opened up the whole, all of what they do to where I could understand it on a, and I don't maybe understand too strong, but it was connecting with me differently. Yeah. And then, I, then of course, they had a lot of albums, so I could it was a lot I could go through. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed consuming each album, and, and them specifically. Uh, and you know, Jim and them were born in, uh, and they were in Hikes Point. That's where I grew up mm-hmm. in, in Louisville. Uh, Mom still lives there, and um, so I like they went Trinity, which I went to Mail, but uh, or, or he was at Saint X, and um, I liked I liked knowing that. And then once I connected with the music. 
Um, I don't know. I just kind of I could hear the Southern uh, influence a lot right. better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then every album that they put out seems so much different. But I, I really enjoy. I never would have done that if I would have just had my Spotify account and then I listen to a song mm-hmm. and then I just go to the next song or whatever. So, um, so I was back to that just for a sec. So, um, what's the last album you purchased? How about that? Hmm. Sam Bush. Yeah. Sam Bush. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last album I purchased, not well. I just there's a guy named uh, Tyler. Uh, not Tyler. Is it Booth? Tyler Booth. Hmm. He's from Kentucky, but I just purchased. He has two EPs out. Uh-huh. I just purchased those. But the Larry mm-hmm. Fleet album was the last album. Mm-hmm. I'm an Amazon Music person, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I, I'll go through and I'll just. Do playlists on different artists that I really like. Right, like yeah. Be. YouTube's great for that. I do yeah. that sometimes. Just leave it yeah. on in the background. Just let it yeah. go. And let Live it concerts, yeah, are great. Yeah, I do it at work when I'm doing my medication mm-hmm. and stuff like sure. that. I'll just put it on Amazon Music and you know just it's there. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really. That's great. But yeah. then sometimes, like, there's been songs, old songs, uh, like one we joke about. Uh, it's uh, an old Maverick song. I came across one day and it's a two chord jammer. Yeah. And uh, it's great. Mike plays harmonica <laughs> on it and, and he, his leg just I can't get the stop Jimmy leg going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to put a pedometer on it and do, see. Do you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. See how many, see see how many how calories you burn? Yeah. Song. I think I can burn five miles yeah. with that, yeah. that song. So, where are you playing next? Or do you have any gigs coming up? Well, yeah. The ones uh, that I'm not playing, but you're all doing is yeah. Campbellsburg. Yeah, and we're playing uh, a different gig, which I've always said, you know, like it does, you know, I've played funerals, I've played weddings, I've played, you know what I mean? Like people want that, especially if it's somebody that like were fans mm-hmm. of yours or anything like that, uh, they want that, they want you there to be part of it or right. or whatever. Uh, but we're playing at DeHaven this weekend. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. We're going to play some, we're going to play yeah, songs. So I go to there. church at DeHaven and, and uh, Clay. Uh, summer asked us if we would come up with three uh, good songs. Oh, nice! So nice, yeah. yeah. We're switching gears a little bit there, but yeah. I I love um, reimagining uh, a reapproach of mm. some of the traditional uh, hymns or yeah. Or so we're doing the old rugged there. cross, yeah. Which we'll do it with the mandolin and the guitar, and uh, it's just a beautiful song. Yeah, I mean, we won't do it like the hymnal says. It's kind of weird because like some of these songs, mm-hmm. because they're not secular songs. I don't know. Right. So we actually, after mm-hmm. we're done here, we're planning on actually going yeah. through and rehearsing. I bought yeah. a music stand the other day. I found <laughs> one. Uh, Should have have some of them. No, I, I mean, great. this thing's awesome. It like packs up and goes into this little pack. I, I yeah. was at the, I go to the peddler's malls and buy a little stuff yeah. and, and I uh, saw it the other day and I was like, oh, that's a pretty cool little music stand. So you've I, got music, live music in your, in mainly creative as well, right? Yeah. So, so on yeah. our opening night, we, and we might do it. Once a month or quarterly yeah. or something, but we just we had about thirty five people in there yeah. the other night. Did a jam. You feel like we're going to try to be open on Thursday nights, Thursday or Friday nights uh, late, uh, just because it feels like a uh, an, an active time for the Main Street. Yeah, range. Main Street's energy is mm-hmm. really building. You know, we've got the Ale House and right. Prost. Uh, I know Julie has got an open mic on Thursday nights yeah. at uh, yeah. at the Gatewood Building. We really want to be uh, more of an open instrument. Uh, her open mic. Um, uh, I would really like to get some songwriters into ours, yeah. uh, whether uh, uh, they can sit up by themselves and have about three songs and come off and let the next guy up. Right. Uh, 
uh, that sort of thing. So. Well, it's a great way to bring people into your business to see what uh, they're doing, but uh, also it brings people to Main Street. Yeah. It shows off all the shops that are there. It satisfies our outreach. The, the one thing we were talking about a few minutes ago is Alan and I both really want to reach out. Uh, we've we've been successful in our trades, uh, so we really want to make sure that we, we leave something behind and we reach out to the community and say, you know, if you feel like you want to listen, come and listen. If you feel like you want to play, come yeah. and play. No, that's great. Yeah. Well, the, the you're, cool, go ahead. Oh, the cool thing was we had people from, you know, I'm not a, I mean, I'm seasoned, you know what I mean? But I'm not that old guy yet, I guess. But we had guys, we had a guy, old guy there that was oh, probably God. 70 something playing. And we had a girl that was 15, 16 oh, that just great. got her first guitar. Yeah. And we were, you know, we would stop and say, all right, it's going to be, here's the chord formation. And, you know, it's going to yeah. go to this chord. And yeah. We sure heard where to, to move put her your fingers, fingers, you know, yeah. and, right. and all that stuff. And the and crowd enjoys watching and that her, too. Yeah. yeah. Her yeah. parents were appreciative of it. And, and yeah, everybody was kind of rooting for her. And, yeah. yeah. You know, well, you're running a business and you're building community at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and I'll tell you this, just as far as, you know, we talked about, I was mentioning, you know, retail Armageddon that's happened and whatnot. What are shops that are retail shops up and down Main Street need is foot traffic because yeah. people will buy off of their phones. But if you create a reason for them to come see you, mm-hmm. yeah. they're going to walk well, by the other shops and they're going to they're going to shop there. Yeah. And so the work that's getting done all up and down that district that's being fueled by people like yourself is uh it's a really critical part to the health of the business community here in yeah. downtown LaGrange so you know a correlation to a lot of what we do are we're craft handmade things and one of the largest and fastest growing uh internet businesses now is Etsy mm-hmm. yeah you know, so we're basically a brick and mortar Etsy you know what right. I mean like you can right. come in and buy whatever is out there if you see something you like great but we can do custom stuff too and right. mm-hmm. a lot of our different artists is artists are in different mediums you know you have somebody doing pottery and somebody doing woodworking and somebody doing glass and you know well i for my birthday this year mm-hmm. uh the folks here in the office got me some nice bourbon glasses from your establishment that have this cool leather uh band around them oh, with my initials yeah. on them Jeez. so uh, i love them they're my yeah. favorite bourbon glasses oh, i cool. had i drank my uh, birthday uh, bourbon out of there <laughs> And what so was your birthday uh, it's bourbon? great. Was it birthday bourbon? Uh, no, no. It, oh, well, okay. I just I drink Old Forester. Oh, I, it's no, it's my go-to. Um, I like all of it really, yeah, but uh, that's what I use. I just didn't know, know if it was a. So. Uh, so some lady. Uh, so I do these ones where it's a flight uh-huh. of of Glen Cairns. Oh, okay. On uh, I take a uh, the end of a wooden barrel stave, mm-hmm. clean it up, polish it and everything, and then put the holes in it for the Glen Cairns. And she had bought that. It was Julie Barr. She's the uh, yep. county clerk. She had bought that for her husband and the bottle, the O Forster birthday, oh. birthday uh, mm. bourbon. Oh, that's great! Which they, they only release once a year. Well, the bourbon barrels you guys have in there are really cool. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great products. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's instruments hanging on the wall, so mm-hmm. you can just pick it up and start jamming. There's, I, I mean, I almost, uh, I, I'm, well, my wife won't listen to this before her birthday, but uh, the the baskets that you have, the handmade baskets, yeah. oh, yeah. that are, are so beautiful. Cool. Um, there's such a cool variety of things that are crafts. There, I mean, everything was affordable. The bourbon barrels, the one that you had, uh, one of them was displayed that you got, I guess you could oh, put your yeah, bourbon in. Yeah. Um, you had a lot of different creative th- ways to use those. Um, I just oh. think there's, that's a really. I feel like we've got a very creative gift store. Yeah. Uh, my wife, Karen, has been really good about finding ceramic artists and uh, um, jewelry and glass and um, just all sorts of other things to fill in. So uh, I like to tell people when they come in to shop is, uh, Tell us what you're looking for, right. uh, and we've got some great resources yeah. we can get. Sure. 
Well, and it's it's not specific to um, it. It's there's something in there for everybody. I mean, it's it really not cliche, but it really yeah, is. Yeah. yeah, I, uh, you know, uh, my wife would drag me to the and, shopping and sometimes, but like I go into your shop and I've got I'm looking at everything there. They're unique. It's yeah, the coolest that's thing right. about it. And, Authentic. And, and we had said we kind of are. A dude store, yeah, right. Like the we've had a lot of wives come out of uh, buy something that they thought this my husband will like this, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And I think you know that's a cool new thing to the the, the main street district yeah. because there's not yeah. a lot of kind of masculine type mm-hmm. stuff. That's right. A lot that's of right. Stores. A lot of it's more gear. Everything in our store you could put in a man cave. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's a good. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. a good. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys for taking time to talk with us today. Mainly creative. Uh, it's on the corner of Main Street and Walnut. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a, a fantastic place. Uh, it's Christmas season is starting. There's uh, 80,000 shipping containers off the coast <laughs> of uh, the country that uh, likely aren't going to make it to those uh, terrible chain stores that um, uh, have abused our uh, system. <laughs> Um, and but you guys have plenty of great gifts uh, there uh, for everybody. So uh, make your way to Mainly Creative and look for Mike Prather and Alan Lane uh, at uh, some stage uh, here soon. I probably won't be there, but Mike could be there. Our, ne- our next gig is Arrow. Oh, the well, Arrow playing, Club. Uh, the thirtieth, we're playing. Well, November sixth. Yeah. Well, the thirtieth, we're Mike oh. and or myself and Lauren will be playing at the uh, Campbellsburg Halloween Festival. And then the sixth, we're playing at the Arrow Club for some. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the whole Main Street district with the park, uh, you know, the the courthouse will be brand new. Um, there's a lot of great things that are happening all around the Grange. It's really going to create a lot of great opportunities for more activities and mm-hmm. concerts yeah. and festivals and things like that. So thanks for being here and thanks for what you do in our community. Thank you, David. Thank, Thank you for having us today. Hi, folks. I'm here with Heidi Ockeltree. Uh, as most of you know, um, if you've been engaged in our chamber membership, if you're part of the Oldham County business community, you know Heidi Ockeltree. She's been with us since November of 2017 and is an uh, important part of our staff. Not November? October. <laughs> That's right. November was Destiny? Yeah. You were October. Sandy was April. 17 was a big yeah. year. Uh, we had a complete uh, changeover of staff, and, um, and and even in that regard, Heidi's been a big part of uh, helping me specifically manage through those changes, and so she's a really important part of our team. Um, she has a great skill set that I would say nobody else in this office has uh, when it comes to the details, when it comes to um, bottom lines, and uh, she's a, a really important part of our success here at the Chamber, so I had asked her to join us for this conversation uh, that we're going to make as a segment on the podcast, or at least this episode of the podcast, um, because I wanted to talk about shopping local. And I, uh, as many of you know, I grew up in a small business um, that is still operational in uh, Louisville. It's the oldest music store in the city of Louisville, and it's on its third generation. And when I came to work in Oldham County in 2009, I got to meet a lot of small business owners that have uh, very similar types of businesses, and part of living with entrepreneurs, my uh, family members, for example, is that there's a specific personality, and that is kind of a stick-to-itiveness, and a 
Um, I'm on my own and I'm going to take care of myself. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. Uh, that's part of the entrepreneur or many entrepreneurs, especially small businesses, personalities. And I think that's a really great thing for our overall culture and a community. Um, but also, I think you'll find when you work with a lot of small business owners that they feel a commitment to support other small business owners and they feel a commitment or an importance to support um you know, kind of the non-big box uh, types of businesses, which we have many of those types of businesses that are members of our chamber and that serve this community and provide great services. So as an independent thinker, uh, many entrepreneurs, myself included, I really had kind of a negative opinion of some of the shop local efforts that I have seen over the years from different communities, specifically in Louisville. Um, We've had a few here in Oldham County. Um, But ultimately, I believe it's on the business owners to provide good services uh, at competitive prices. Um, However, if we were just to isolate those two factors into growing businesses, um, I think we lose something. I think we have lost something is we we create an opportunity for larger business that can do things quicker and cheaper uh, and in some cases more efficiently, not necessarily better, um, but the consumer wins at least in price. And so we, we, while it's incumbent on a business to be competitive, we also have to face a reality that it is not as easy to be competitive, especially if you're in some uh, retail type of business. Um, when you're competing against, in the old days, Walmart and Target, and now Walmart and Target are struggling because of Amazon. Um, here we are post-COVID. We've had the largest transfer of wealth uh, in the history of mankind um, from um the have-nots to the haves. I'm not making a political uh, statement. That's a that's a fact. And so here we are in 2022, and we're looking for the future. Um, and one of the things we had towards the end of the year, a discussion in our office was about supporting local businesses. And I'll just tell you personally, um, I try to shop local. I think I do a pretty good job of it. Um, I, I buy uh, from Oldham County Business as often as I can. But frankly, uh, and I would say for me, it's it's less the prices on things because I'm happy to pay more if it's going to support a small business. But the convenience and the speed with which I can get some of the products that I want, you know, makes me just as guilty as anyone else for jumping on Amazon uh, or running into Target or doing any of those things. And so um, one of the things I think is important for our community, but really the overall uh, community, and perhaps there'll be a change it feels like we're caught up in this momentum that just leads to less and less small business. Um, but I think if our community were to adopt uh, an additional value uh, in shopping local, and I don't mean this from a guilt trip, that's what I felt like shop local programs were. They were guilting you into, oh, well, you don't shop local. And I'll tell you, you, you get a business owner that, that risks it all and takes their retirement savings and puts it into a business and opens it up, and then the community doesn't show up to support it it's a really upsetting thing, and, and I think in a lot of cases, you can find people getting very bitter about that. Uh, and in fact, not even interacting with their existing customer base well because of that resentment where you have a customer come in and say, hey, I, I want to buy that thing, but uh, or they bring in, a, I, this is a, a scenario, somebody brings in a product that they bought online to one of our local stores and says, I just bought this online, can you help me fix it? And then the, the owner literally feels like, good luck, you bought it somewhere else, I'm not going to service you. Um, you know, it's arguable whether or not that's an opportunity for that business owner to say, actually, I'm going to give you better service so I can get you to buy your next 
item for me. But it really is a complicated mix of emotion. Um, when people are working hard, they've risked them themselves, they're going through a tough economy, and then they see a local, uh, you know, we're the wealthiest community in the entire state of Kentucky. Um, and then they feel like, well, we're, we're not even getting supported. So one of the things that came up in our conversations in our office was about um, kind of a challenge to shop local through the Christmas holidays and season. And just like anything else, as the days and weeks get away from you, and, you know, we're talking about that in early fall or maybe even late summer, by the time we get to Christmas and the hustle and bustle of the season goes by and the procrastination, if, at least if you're me and probably many of the males uh, that might be listening, um, you find yourself uh, abandoning that, that goal. Well, Heidi didn't. Heidi stuck with it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Heidi is a very disciplined uh, and committed person. And I think that uh, I asked her to if, if she would kind of talk about the experience because the goal of, of uh, this little segment we're going to do here is just kind of get a sense of what her experience was. So if you are just a, a consumer like all of us, you know, maybe this is something that inspires you to, to make more decisions uh, to purchase from local businesses. Um, but also, if you're a, bu- a local business owner, I'm hoping that some of the things that she talks about either uh, give you a, a sense of maybe how you could message to people who are trying to shop local uh, and even maybe overcome or recognize that uh, sometimes there's negative experience when you shop local, uh, either because you don't get the product you want or the price is so much higher, which some of those things aren't in the control of the, the merchant, um, but also maybe the attitude or the the willingness to, um, you still have to compete with big business. And I know people that, you know, small business owners that haven't really invested in how they communicate. They haven't really, inv- they have a Facebook page, but they didn't really learn Facebook and understand what the proper way to promote it is, or there are opportunities for them to try to get people to come in their business, and they either don't recognize the opportunity, or they don't want to invest the time in it, or they're just so busy, it's very easy to put things off and uh, do other things. So anyway, without further ado, I want to talk, uh, introduce Heidi. Heidi, thank you for being here in the office today. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about, so did we talk about that in fall? Was it fall? I started in July. Okay. okay. And right. my commitment was to make it to the end of the year. And so just overall, give us a run through of how it went. Was it was it a drastic change from your existing purchasing habits or was it just more of a more intentional? I think it was drastic only because I wasn't a huge online shopper before the pandemic, but then the pandemic happened and we made a commitment during the first month to stay at home for f- a month because we thought that was going to break the curve. And uh, <laughs> so we were ordering everything online. So every day a package was coming. Uh, and it was everything. was Whether it was a Monster's drink or yeah. shampoo, I was yeah. ordering everything online. And I just felt like this past year that uh, that we were doing too much online ordering and that uh, – I needed to do something about it. And I had uh, I have friends from back home that had already done it, had already been working on it, uh-huh. so I thought I'm going to do this. And uh, it was easier than I thought for me to do it. Right. Um, and I'm still doing it, so, and I well, intend to wait. do it. Now, you've got <laughs> a husband and a son, so were they on board, or was it a, did it crimp their style or interfere with any of their purchasing? Was it, uh, my you? husband didn't have a problem with it. Uh, my son, being he's 18, 
he orders everything online yeah. as it is. Sure. Um, so the one thing I did struggle with was what he wanted for Christmas was I couldn't find it local. Right. It was something I had to order online. In fact, I'm still waiting for it to come because it still has not arrived, and it's two months since I ordered it. <laughs> did you have any conversations with your son about it? Um, I wasn't expecting to go this direction, but now I'm thinking – um, because you know, he's consumer of the future. I mean, he's consumer now, but, uh, well, uh, believe it or not, he's done a lot of shopping at the mall. Oh, okay. So it isn't just a matter of him buying everything online. He's collecting these little figurines. I don't know what they're called, but him and his friend, they have been done a lot of mall shopping the, I don't know, probably the last three months. Wow. Um, the malls used to be the place to go when you were 18. Well, they got the curfew at the mall now too. Yeah, right. Uh, but now that he's 18, they have to worry about the curfew. Sure. So that they have been hanging out at the mall, and they've been hanging out at Walmart, and they've been hanging out at uh, Academy Sports. Right. Uh, I don't know what the deal is with Academy Sports, but they go there a lot. Right. Um, so he does mostly what he purchases online has been these the things he can't find in the stores yep. or his uh, video games. Right. That's mostly been his purchases. Well, and it's you know you say Academy Sports. Well, there's a big there's a big uh, conglomerate that's uh, you know. But the reason you have to go to <laughs> Academy Sports <laughs> is because all the small sports shops are closed. I remember hardware stores that were all over the place. We have uh, some here in, in Oldham County still. Um, but you go in there, and there was a couple old guys always standing around you in the fat, and they also happen to know everything about building things and uh, your projects. And they could be a really great place for culture as well as uh, finding a good product. Um, and then, you know, you and I had talked about this, where now when you go to Home Depot or Lowe's or some of those uh, big outfits, you can see people that used to own businesses are actually working in the aisles helping people find things. And that's part of capitalism. Uh, I'm a capitalist. I believe in that. I do think that the uh, having an even playing field for everybody to be competitive is very important. Um, but for a lot of merchants, they can't even purchase some of the um, products to sell in their store at the prices that some of these larger uh, places like Academy Sports or Walmarts or Amazon can can sell them for. So, I mean, you really have a challenge there. And so the commitment to the value is something I found really interesting. And so, you know, the COVID lockdown, what I'm hearing you say, the COVID lockdown and all of the delivery, it's certainly isolating while it's convenient. It seems like it's, it was an effort to also just kind of get out of isolation and get out into the public um, and go and, into places. And be, yeah, connect with other people, human beings. Be so did you have a place that was like your favorite place to shop? You can plug it if you want. Well, I have several places that are my favorite places to shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about some of those. So, and, yeah. um, uh, I like uh, lavender, and so I go to the lavender shop in Simpsonville, and they had uh, I've never ordered online from them. I've only gone in person. Right. Um, so that's one of the shops I enjoy going to in person. Um, I like the Red Tree that's over at the paddock shop now. I'm glad they opened up one closer to my home because I don't really want to – we haven't been downtown to Nulu since before the pandemic. Right. In fact, it was the Thanksgiving before we all went through these shutdowns and stuff. So we used to do a girls' breakfast right, right before Thanksgiving or right after Thanksgiving and do Christmas shopping in Nulu. Right. And we'd spend hours doing this. Well, with the pandemic, we haven't really done any of that. So one of the things that came back this year was being able to go back to the art shows, the Christmas yeah. shows, and purchase things it wasn't just about purchasing from a local vendor or maybe a local artist it was uh hanging out with girlfriends doing stuff that we used to do before the pandemic happened fun stuff Uh, but also getting ideas because i also do make things right and that so i got some ideas on making christmas gifts from things i'd seen at other shows like oh i can make that which i wouldn't have gotten by shopping online i never really did enjoy shopping 
before the pandemic, I never really enjoyed shopping online. I like the human contact. I like going to the grocery store and having a clerk to talk to while I'm checking out. I don't want to check out my own groceries. Right. And I don't want to do click it because I don't want somebody else picking out my stuff because I'm very picky. <laughs> yeah. So I do like enjoy that talking to the, especially if I have the clerks there that I know that I'm going to enjoy talking to. Yeah. And, and then, right. then I do, then there's certain clerks that are like, oh, I can't go to that clerk. They're way too slow. I'm going to wait <laughs> in a long line just so I can go to a different clerk. That has happened to you. Yeah. And then there's the clerks that they don't care about waiting on you. They're still got their phone right there and they're checking their text messages while they're trying to check you out. Wow. That can be frustrating. I really didn't have a lot of bad experiences shopping. I did find, though, that a couple of the shops that I wanted to go to had closed, which a year ago they'd still been open, but I guess the struggling of the pandemic. Sure. So there was a gentleman that had a shop in uh, Simpsonville. He made stuff out of bourbon barrels, didn't have an online shop. He right. only had his store shop. Well, he's closed. He was open last year at Christmas time. This year he was closed, yeah. gone out of business. So that's the downside to it. Um Really, the only other bad experience is going to a local shop that I wanted to find something at. I found it online. I didn't want to buy it online. was trying to find it locally, not being able to find it locally. Right. And ha- asking the store owner if they knew anybody, and they still did not know anybody. Yeah. What would have been nice is if they had said, let me see if I can get it for you. Right, right. That would have been something that would be, okay, let me know if you can get it for me, and I'll come back and buy it from you. Yeah. So that I don't have to buy it online. Right. Um, the other frustration about shopping at some of these uh, vendor fairs or art shows and stuff is going to a vendor that's not set up to take your payments yet because they don't know how to take their square payments they don't have everything set up so that can get frustrating it wasn't enough to not make me want to shop becomes cumbersome though and yeah yeah. but that's why a lot of people get frustrated like oh it's just easier to just do this online but it's not you you know that human contact you don't you get when you're shopping in person or the fact when you're looking for a unique gift for birthdays and holidays I can connect a personality with a gift, and I don't do that online. It's yeah. very hard for me to connect a gift online with, oh, that's going to fit that person. But when I'm in person, and I'm a touchy-feely person when I shop. I like to touch things, which is very hard when you have a child. So when my son was younger, trying to teach him not to touch is right. difficult because right. I like to touch when I shop. <laughs> and especially during the holiday season, they have lots of soft things to touch. And so my problem during the holidays is that I'm a blanket-aholic. If a soft blanket, I touch it, I'm like, oh, i got to buy that blanket. So for me, if I'm in person shopping and I touch something, I might be more likely to buy it. Right. Whereas if I'm shopping online, I'm like, oh. And then I compare everything online to see if I'm getting the best price or, you know, can I get something better? I feel like I do a lot more comparison shopping online where I'm in person. I have to decide, do I really want this right now? Do I want to come back and get it? And there has been times where I had to think about it, but I would go back and get it. Or I decide, no, I really don't want that. I'm going to look for something else. Well, you know, um, I think a contributing factor to this, I, I'm really interested in this in a, in a real holistic kind of sense in how it affects bigger picture things. I mean, all of the things that you're saying, I think a lot of the, the people that listen um, have understood this has been something that's no longer new. I mean, this has been a challenge for retail uh, for, I guess, a couple of decades now. I mean, um, and just to put some context to this, the iPhone came out in 2007. So when you oh, consider wow. the Internet's been around for a while, but we really didn't use it to the level we use it now uh, until we had smartphones that could make everything quick and easy. Um, and so you can it's very short period of time. But I think some of the bigger picture, especially when you couple with the challenges the pandemic has uh, put out there from the health uh, crisis to the anxiety that it's created to you know, all of the various opinions on masking and vaccination and whatnot, 
when you combine that with a culture that had already started leaning into having your groceries ordered and delivered and those types of things, I think we see ourselves con- con, uh, just continuing to isolate from one another. And as you isolate from your neighbors, you become a little less empathetic to what you think about them. And probably a less, I found myself, I'm 46, so maybe I'm just getting a little bit older, but not wanting to uh, go uh, to parties and, and things like that. Sometimes just because, uh, you know, I didn't want to deal with the people. And uh, I think that a big part of that is some of the isolation that um, has been a natural um, uh, course of all of these types of things. But I will say, um, in growing up in a music shop, our, um, you know, in the 80s and 90s, uh, in the 70s, with like theater organs and stuff, one of the things that was really interesting about how the business community worked in the city of Louisville uh, and by the way, we're talking local, and we mean regional. So Heidi's mentioned in Simpsonville, and she's mentioned in other places. I'm sure some of you out there are going, oh, well, what about our OC businesses? We shop at OC, too. Uh, this is authentic in conversation. In-person shopping. Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we're we big fans of the business community here, but this is a realistic conversation, and if you're a merchant, you understand that this is reality. Well, is it's people not go just places. the shopping part of it. So I always, even when I take my husband, he says I do this to him all the time that I'm just going to go get one thing at Lowe's well he ends up going to multiple (laughs) stores he's like you do this to me every time but I also get in a breakfast or a lunch or a dinner somehow so I'm not just going shopping and even if it's just me and my sister or girlfriends we're either meeting for breakfast first then going or we're stopping and having lunch so we're not just doing shopping but we're also eating local when we do it. that's right well the interesting thing about like the old days uh and I say the old days being pre-internet uh, purchasing being the way to go all the time, or for most of the time for a lot of people, um, is that the quality of the products have changed over the years. Um, as you shop for price, um, you're going to find things that are less quality. That's a natural part of it. So to give you an example, there used to be, I don't know, a dozen uh, family-owned music stores in the city of Louisville. And the way the companies worked back then is if you were a merchant um, who uses their products you would buy their products and sell them, and each of those music shops would have kind of their own, they'd be exclusive to something that was of good quality. So our store was Guild Guitars, which is a high-end guitar. Um, And if you wanted to go uh, buy a Yamaha or something like that, you could go to Mom's Music. And then most of those people were also musicians, so they had opinions about the quality of guitars and um, instruments of all kinds. But then what you saw was the advent of... uh, instruments starting making it in the market from China and China was not making the same quality and they were much much less quality back then they've improved a lot uh, since then Um, but in fact a lot of really important businesses that are American grown companies uh, have moved their manufacturing operations overseas to Mexico to China and there's been a decline in some of the quality of those things that were just good products um, and part of selling that product was connecting with that business owner who, on an instrument level, you're talking about a kind of a personal, it's like, it's like um, you're just talking about a personal investment, how it feels in your hands, what kind of music you play, um, what kind of strings should go on it based on those things. And so the opportunity to connect with a shop owner uh, who would kind of walk you through and try to understand what you're trying to do was a really great experience. But like you just mentioned with, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm shopping but I'm with my husband also, and we're talking, <laughs> and we're having lunch and doing those things. You also have that, I walked in off the street, and I'm talking to this person that owns this music store, and they're, t- they're learning about me, and I'm learning about an instrument, and now I feel a loyalty to buy. And that's how the old uh, hardware stores used to be. Walk in and say, tell me how to fix this, exactly. and the guy at the hardware store would tell you how to fix it. Yeah, and you can still do that at Watts <laughs> Home Center, and you can do that at Cess Hardware. 
uh, can't do that at Lowe's yeah. and Home Depot. That's right. Because most that. of the people there don't even know where the stuff are. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. Um, but what you also see is, uh, and now that the the instruments and the products are are mostly online. I mean, we started seeing them when Target and Walmart started carrying guitars and keyboards. It was like, uh, oh, this is bad. And um, you know, now that's fast forward. Every they eventually opened everybody up. Nobody was exclusive to any. Well, instrument. and you mentioned that um, when my son was young, he took drum lessons. Mm-hmm. We went to the Guitar Center here in Louisville and yep. looked, yep. and the Guitar guy Center, who's responsible for putting yeah. most of those but businesses they out. They did tell me there that since he was just starting out, we didn't know if he was going to like it or not. That we were just better off buying a cheap drum set for yep. him, which they didn't carry, so I had to buy it online yep. through Amazon. Yep, uh, but. That was one of those things they said until you know that they are really into it, not to spend a whole lot of money on it. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and that's that's the right uh, advice. But as the quality declines and then the businesses disappeared, which our family business is um, one of three music stores now uh, that's not Guitar Center. Um, and if you've gone to Guitar Center, you deserve it, okay? Um, but our Crestwood Music Shop that, um, you know, services a lot of the musicians here in Oldham County. I mean, there's a lot of really important, and I'm, I'm just making about music, you know, the podcast episode we're about to listen to um, is has a lot of music shop talk in it, too. So um, I guess we'll just make this episode all about this kind of topic. But it really, <laughs> it really um, translates to all these different industries that are out there. And so... Um, well, and it's just, uh, so one of the other shops that we had gone to look at, uh, a few years ago when they opened up the Simpsonville, mm-hmm. uh, they had the Bose shop. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, we all love Bose speakers, but I'm not going to spend that kind of money on a Bose speaker without first going there and testing them out first, right? So when I did buy my first set of Bose speakers, I found them at the shop, tried them on, and then I bought them directly from Bose instead of, you know, getting them on right. someplace else. Right. Well, we had gone back, we had wanted new uh, earbuds, wireless earbuds, but we wanted the kind that had the strand around your neck so we wouldn't have to worry mm-hmm. about losing them because the ones just popping your ear, the iPods and stuff, were like, you know, we're going to lose those. Right. Um, so we'd gone down specifically to go to that shop, not knowing that they had closed, so we could try them out. Yep. Well, they had closed. Yep. So I'm like, well, I'm not buying, spending this much money on a pair of earbuds that I can't even try out first. Right. And the, the ones that had at Walmart, they didn't even have the display out, so you could try them. And yep. then when they do have them on display at Walmart, they're in the glass container, so you can't even touch them. Right. So you can't still can't try them. Right. Um, so they had them there, but I'm like, I'm not buying, spending this much money on something I can't try first. <laughs> well, that's, um, yeah, that's that's a big part of it. I think there's an opportunity, especially now we're turning a corner, I think, probably on coronavirus at least. Uh, and if the corner that we're turning is only everybody's kind of acclimating to it, um, I certainly believe that we're in a moment where culturally everybody's kind of assessing what are our values here. I mean, we've got a lot of political dis, uh, discontent and um, I think of really a lot of divisiveness uh, in the air. But I do think that this is a process that's going to work its way out. And at the end of it, it would be great to see that we all took on a little bit more of an interest in supporting those local businesses. I think one thing coronavirus did do, at least with the restaurant industry, was it, it gave, well, first of all, people got sick of cooking at home. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, because our restaurateurs decided that they would be do curbside pickup and whatnot, it became a much more viable option for a lot of people, and then they have the habit of uh, starting to, to do that. So I think for, for while we lost a lot of restaurants globally and uh, nationally, um, that no, that's one of the things that adapt. we did. Those we did do the takeout Tuesday here locally right. in Oldham County. So, right. so you, you've got a, a, yeah. a text group, and it's like, all right, Tuesday, where are we going to get food from? Sandy mm-hmm. did this in our office as well. 
um, okay, we're going to order from Gustavo's. Everybody mm-hmm. gets something, and then everybody just orders it that night, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's not like yep. you're even getting together. Well, it's not even that. It's just that, uh, no, we did a lot of rikishi because that was one of the places that we really liked. Right. Um, they didn't have a takeout window, but during the pandemic, they put in a takeout window, yeah. which made it actually quite easy to order because they had their phone number put up front. I could call ahead and go to be picked up. Um, so a lot of the restaurants where call ahead, you can go ahead and be ready for, and they bring that. So red pepper, they just bring that to your car. Yeah. That was one of the really nice things about there. I, oh, you're going to bring it to my car for me. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Even the bad weather, because sure. you, know, you know, it's winter time. You don't want to get out of your car and go get your food. Right. So there was a couple of restaurants that had done that. Um, the Red Pepper, the pizza place, when they first opened up, they opened up during the pandemic, mm-hmm. too. They did the same thing. Just call from your car and we'll bring it to you. Yeah. So that was really convenient, having it. We weren't going to a drive-up window waiting in line, calling ahead, and then just calling saying that you're here, and they bring it to your car. That yeah. reminds me of the old days when you drove up to the old A&W root beer and got your stuff brought to you, right. and they put it on your window. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and um, I mean, you think about Lagrange Service Station, where they'll come out and still pump your gas. I mean, oh gosh, yeah. Talk about a, uh, a. I mean, where did where can you get that? Now, done before we moved up here, when we used to live in Mount Washington, there used to be. Then I think they used to have them when we first moved up here. Was the gas station that still pumped your gas? And the winter months, I always went to that gas station because I didn't want to get out of my car in the winter. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, well, so. The well, and, and you know, you get staffing issues also that have really impacted small business uh, tremendously, specifically restaurants. We know multiple restaurants in Oldham County where because they can't even staff uh, a wait staff, they they basically have to go to curbside only and they're not making as, uh, uh, you know, as much um, because people don't think of them as using them as curbside. So I think that. Um, there's so many factors that make it hard to run those small businesses. Uh, the important thing to take away from it, and there's one specific restaurant I'm thinking about, but it, it really applies to multiple ones. I mean, Joe uh, at Red Pepper and, you know, Crestwood Bistro is a, a newer, uh, we had multiple restaurants open yeah. during the ca- pandemic. And Crestwood Bistro, which I'm about to go to in a few minutes, um, is really fantastic food. Um, I, again, now I'm going to have to name everybody's uh, restaurant <laughs> in Oldham County. And, and I'm not talking about them, but they're an example of it. But there's one specific restaurant I was thinking of that I really love. And it's a father and a uh, and mother and daughter that work it. And then they were really struggling with hiring and had to go to curbside. And it was really challenging uh, because they had a great product. Um, and I just, my, my point in bringing this up is that when you take the time to really think about, I don't want to go to one of these corporate conglomerate cheesecake factory type things, I'll stick to my local restaurant. Um, and, you know, people say, well, we need more restaurants in Oldham County. Well, we have a lot of great restaurants in Oldham County. Um, you need to look harder uh, at them. And, uh, you know, as far as the, the stucco buildings and the chains and all those things, they'll be here eventually. They're coming gradually. Um, they'll be a great part of this community. I like eating at those places too. But when you consider that you go in and you purchase food from one of these family-owned businesses, that it is it is helping this family, It is it is... It's raising children. I mean, you have when you have a teenager that's sweeping the floors and emptying the trash cans, um, it doesn't take much to think about what that really means long-term for society when you've got kids doing that. When you disconnect from the human element of what a business is and you strictly look at your price and your convenience, um, while you might get price and convenience, you're going to see gradually over time, I think, a degradation in the quality um, and really what your expectations are because, you know, you go back to a business owner that's uh, independent, they're, they're probably going to figure out how to make it right. Some of those corporate uh, places you call and you're just out of luck and you're going to have to order something again. So, um, so okay, so I'll kind of wrap up here. I want to ask you, um, 
What was your overall takeaway? Was it an overall positive experience? Was it harder than you thought it would be? Was the difficulty in executing, like purchasing locally, or was it just getting yourself to remember to do that? Or And, and at the point we're at now, are you going to continue that on? Uh, will that be, is it a new commitment? Do you feel more passionate about it, like this was really a positive experience? Or is it kind of a mixture of a chore and a blessing? I think it was mostly positive. Great. So, and I'm going to stick with it. Um, I was easier than I thought it was going to be. But it was actually, it was so easy ordering online when the pandemic started. I felt like it got out of hand. Yeah. It was so easy. But I don't use my phone to purchase anything. So that makes it even easier for me. <laughs> because you're phone challenged or because I don't, you don't want to no, do it? I don't, use, I don't do any banking, any purchasing with my phone. Yeah. So if I'm not sitting on my laptop or on my iPad, it's not getting ordered anyway. Right. So I use my phone to search for things locally to see if there's a store locally I can buy stuff. And right. I'll go and I'll go look. And so we had gone to a... a uh, one of the cruises uh-huh. at the end of August, we had gone uh-huh. to, uh, it was Roaring Twenties, so I needed a costume for it. Well, you know, I just started doing this a month before this came up. I'm like, well, shoot, I can't buy my costume online because I just committed to not buying anything online. Right. So rainy Saturday, we went to Louisville to all the costume shops, and I found a costume locally. <laughs> <laughs> and the store owners were, uh, I was in there because uh, I went to the one, I can't remember where it was at now, but uh, it was a big one um, off of Hurstbourne. And mm-hmm. um, you can try on costumes because once you purchase it, you can't return it. So you got to right. try it on if you're going to buy it. Right. And so we were talking about how I got in there. I was telling about this challenge I set up for myself to buy locally, not buy online because this is easily, a, I found there's hundreds online I could have bought. Yeah. And, uh, but there's only a handful of costumes when you shop in person to go and find. And one of the costume shops didn't even have their costumes in yet because they were still waiting for their shipments to come in. So they didn't have Halloween costumes in yet. And uh, so they were very appreciative that I had come in there to shop locally and how much it meant to their business to have somebody who made the commitment not to purchase something that I could have easily bought online right. versus coming all the way to Hurstbourne Lane right. when I live in Henry County. Right. And we made a day out of it. We knew we were going to go to multiple stores because I also needed to go to the pet store also. Right. But we also went out and ate on top of it. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, I didn't waste my time going out. We enjoyed it. It was something for me and my husband to do on a rainy day. Yeah. So and it's not like I, I spent money I was going to spend. The one thing that was really easy for me is that when I shop in person, I use my check card. I don't use my credit card. Right. When I shop online, I use my credit card. Right. I'm not using my credit card now. <laughs> I'm right. buying on my check card. So for me, it's like, well, if I can't afford it, I'm not going to buy it because I'm using my check card. That's great. And for people that don't know, um, that decision to not use the debit card online is a lot because the bank will not cover if somebody uh, identity theft yes, on the that, level they yes, with a credit uh, card, they would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a little bit more of a self-protection there. And so that's that's a really great, I need to do that, is yeah. uh, use credit card online. Or PayPal. Yeah. I can, and I can My bank account is connected to my PayPal because PayPal, they can't see my that's banking great, information. That's great. But I'm still, I'm still one of them old people that doesn't like to use their phone to purchase anything. Yeah. So yep. I still haven't gone to that <laughs> stage in my life, which now I don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to stick to yeah. being able to purchase in person if I can find it. Now, if it's absolutely something like my son's Christmas present that I could not find local, I did try to find it local, but I could not, then, you know, I'm going to order it online. Wow. Um, well, that's great. I um, I appreciate you sharing your uh, your story here, and I think we'll check in frequently and kind of see how things are going. Um, I'd also be interested in uh, a dialogue uh, that you have with, with your son about this kind of stuff, um, and just in general, like our family members where you're talking about this from a value standpoint, 
um, because I think it's an important conversation. And it's I think it's great to hear that it's, you know, it's not the hardest thing in the world to, to kind of do. It's probably just like any other habit change, which is just you mm-hmm. commit to it. And after you create the new habit, it's just the way things are. But I really do believe that that effort pays big dividends in the overall community um, and uh, and hope that uh, I plan to do better about it. I'm going to try to share some of my experiences here um, next time we talk about it. But I do think it's something that's really great. So well, thanks. I think that that personal contact for our children, if they can understand how important that human yep. contact, the interaction when you're shopping. There's been times when I've been shopping with my son and I'll be next to somebody in the aisle next to me and start up a conversation with a total stranger right. when you're shopping. Right. Just because they're looking for something on the shelf you're looking for, and then you start a conversation. Right. There's been many times that that's happened. Yeah. So that human, if we could just teach our younger generation about the importance of that human contact when you're shopping sure? in person, sure. you're not getting that experience online. Yeah, it's a, um, gosh, and they're just growing up a lot more online. Uh, naturally yeah. isolated. And I, I love online. Uh, but, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting it's really interesting dynamic. So, um, well, thanks, Heidi, for sharing with us. Uh, we'll touch base with you again here soon. And thanks for all you do for the Chamber. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Bye.